For today's episode of Future Says, we have Ravi Parmeswar, Vice President of Johnson & Johnson's Consumer Business Intelligence Unit. Ravi brings more than two decades of experience leading international brands such as Citigroup, Sara Lee, Coca-Cola, Campbell Soup and Kraft. He has a master's degree in chemical engineering as well as an MBA from Fox School of Business. So Ravi, thank you so much for joining Future Says. It's so great to have you on the show. Oh, not at all. My pleasure. So Ravi, would you tell the audience how somebody with a background in chemical engineering has transitioned to being the chief analytics officer at Johnson & Johnson? How did that career shift happen? It was a both, I think, um, by design and by several coincidences. So, you know, frankly, I did my master's in petroleum engineering and my thesis was in petroleum engineering. So the first job that I had was working in what they called enhanced oil recovery. And then the expertise that we kind of built there was more uh, knowledge of microwaves and x-rays. I wouldn't get into the details. And we got a lot, lot more into computer modeling. So the key thing is to go ahead and make sure that you build some core technical skills and more importantly, start to go ahead and build more soft skills. And it's a combination of those two that leads you to a journey. And I keep telling, you know, people who kind of talk to me all the time about careers, it's always good to go ahead and have an astute ear open for when opportunity knocks, make sure that you open the door. And a lot of people say, oh, it's luck. One could also define luck to be having the, you know, the ability to recognize when opportunity knocks and you being there to address that opportunity. So I think it's a, it's, it's a sequence of design. It's a sequence of understanding what makes you tick, what drives you, what energizes you, and always seeking for that opportunity to go ahead and do what you do best. And do you think now then in, in that sort of data science and analytics role that you occupy, do you use some of the skills that you learned in your engineering degree? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the ability to go ahead and solve problems is what I learned in engineering. Yes, I mean, I learned about you know, partial differential equations and a bunch of other math stuff. But the ability to go ahead and see through a clutter of data, to go ahead and recognize patterns, to go ahead and look at an opportunity and solve the problems is what you learn, at least what I learned. That's my core competency that I bring in. And I think it's that that we need to go ahead and leverage and focus on. And that's what kind of, you know, opened a lot of the doors for me and, you know, got me to where I am. And those doors are, are pretty impressive, Ravi. You're currently, of course, at Johnson Johnson. Previously, you spent a lot of time at Coca-Cola, um, at Citibank, at BlackRock. So quite different industries. Can you tell us today, because you have such experience, how do you define a data-driven organization? What should people be aspiring to? Great question. And frankly, it's a lot dependent on the DNA and the culture of the organization. So not every organization is the same. And just like people, like we are different, organizations are different. What makes, you know, all of us take us different the same way the organization. So I think it's critical to go ahead and understand how decisions get made in the organization and what is the deep rooted culture of the organization. And whatever you do needs to go ahead and be in sync with that DNA. So to define what a, a best-in-class data-driven organization is, is always in the context of the business and the context of the culture of the organization. But the general rule that always applies across all of them is the combination of being data-driven plus adding a layer of creativity on top of that. 
And I think that is what distinguishes, you know, a great organization versus an average. It is that ability to go ahead and add that layer of creativity and the ability to go ahead and execute the last mile. And that part of the executing on the last mile is what makes all the difference in the world. Amazing. And so if we took Johnson & Johnson then where you are today, so I think you've been there roughly seven years, Ravi. So can you tell us how you've made that transition at J&J to go to that last mile execution and to go to that creativity? Yep, sure thing. So when we first started on the journey at Johnson & Johnson, we were, you know, frankly, the team was, we had a real small team that was focused on analytics. So as you kind of laid and groundwork and say, how do I go ahead and drive growth in the future for the business? It was really obvious that what we need to do better is to go ahead and focus more on data and analytics. Because in the end, the business that we're in and the role that I am in within the company, it has not changed, which is all about going ahead and being consumer-centric and working super hard to drive some creative experiences and solutions for our consumers and customers. So it was very clear that the way we need to go ahead and do that, the way you go ahead and get more insights on what helps people is more to with data these days than it was in the past, especially given the fact that people now expect you to go ahead and treat them as a person, recognize them for the individual needs. And that is enabled now by the access to individual level, household level, device level information and data that we have. So it was super clear that in order to win in the future, what we have to do is to build that muscle that allows us to, to deliver against the expectations and delight our customers. And it's better done through data and analytics than it was in the past. And so that's the muscle we kind of built. Our mission of what we try to do has not changed. The how we do it has changed because that's what you know the marketplace demands. Amazing. And and so, you know, a lot of the companies I speak to, they're at the early stage of this transformation, Ravi. So if you were to give some of these companies advice when they're just starting out on this transformation, how would you advise them to start this, to start it with the means to continuing and succeeding? Uh, so two things come to mind. I think one, I'll go ahead and actually talk about three things. Number one, I think is a lot of us fall into the trap. And, and frankly, I have done that too. And the organizations that I work for have done that too in the past. You know, the concept of basically saying that build it and they will come. And frankly, that does not happen. So the number one advice I would go ahead and do, because it's easy, especially when you're an engineering background, to go ahead and be super linear and say, you know, and solve the problem and basically say, you know, hey, if I want to go ahead and drive incremental revenues, the best way to do that, as an example, would be to go ahead and you know, have more product per customer, as an example, in some industries, that's very true where the revenue per customer is almost exponential, the customer lifetime value is exponential, depending on the number of products that you have. Case in point, you look at your insurance company, they try to go ahead and sell you auto and home, and you know, there's a reason why that happens, right? So designing it with an outcome in mind is super important, rather than building it for without a specific outcome in mind. Excellent. That's number one. Yeah, that's number one. Number two, I would go ahead and say, and you know, advice for going ahead and I'm going to clap. You can get from A to B, you know, as you can go ahead and start to go ahead and run all of the things. So the concept of going ahead and saying, how do I build an organization so I can know what the stages of success is, what the success criteria is for the crawl, walk, and run stage? 
having that roadmap, I think, is super critical. You want to be make, making sure that you design for the run stage, but you want to go ahead and measure today by the crawl stage. So, uh, you know, going and learning that where you are in the maturity model, I think, is super critical and important. The third and the last, which is a DAR thing, when you know, everybody needs to go ahead and focus on it. When I say it, you say, yeah, you know, stupid answer. But it's all about people. I can go ahead and emphasize that more. It's about your success and your team's success. is 100% linked to the quality of the people that you go ahead and bring in. And more importantly, the amount of empowerment, nurturing, and growth opportunities that you go ahead and provide. So the people and the team dynamics is another secret ingredient for success. Amazing. Well, let's break them out then. So I think that the second one you mentioned, crawl, walk, and run, I love that analogy. And that makes it super simple for people and, and to design for the run phase in the crawl stage. Fantastic answer. So Ravi, can you give us, you know, people... This, this show is future says We speak about the future of artificial intelligence, which makes it easy to forget that there are steps to going there. And one of the first steps is business intelligence. And I know that's you know, a big passion of yours as well, is taking this step by step. Can you talk about some of the quick wins that companies should be searching for as they go through that process? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And that one, is, you know, what you're mentioning here is, is super critical because you have to build credibility within the organization for data and analytics. And the way you build credibility is for looking for the short-term quick wins, those low-hanging fruits, because nobody has the patience to go ahead and wait for three years for you to go ahead and get to the run stage. So I think it's super critical to go understand what are the, you know, may not be technically sexy, but what are the quick wins that you can go ahead and get to that will go ahead and start for you to go ahead and build the credibility for people to invest more and give you the time that you need to build to where you want to go. And that, frankly, is both an art and a science. There is no formula that you can go ahead and just say, follow steps one, two, and three, and you get there. It is, And I think that's where one of your soft skills more come in. It's about understanding people and culture. It's understanding where the opportunity is right now and what can be implemented more easily than something else which is more difficult to kind of push through an organization. And I think that's where the softer skills of how you understand driving change, you know, comes in. Amazing. Yeah, very, very inspirational. A lot, to learn, a lot to learn from you already, Ravi. I know we have to be careful, of course, with confidentiality and, and all the different work you're doing at J&J and previously. But do you have some tangible projects that you've worked on that you could point to and say, look, that was a quick win. It wasn't a massive strategic shift, but it was something that delivered value that inspire the seniors to invest more? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. There are several. One quick win that we had was focus on the external environment, specifically focusing on the customer and our competition. So what we did was to go ahead and kind of, you know, every time we had the quarterly release, and again, like I said, it's not necessarily AI-driven, if you will, but it's more the analytical mindset that you bring in, the discipline that you bring in, that kind of matters, right? So what we did was the early on was to go ahead and provide insights into what is driving our growth for our competitors. So every time they have an earnings release every quarter, our job is not just to look at the math in terms of the P&L, but more to understand what is driving their growth. And that led to some significant insights on opportunities that we didn't have on our radar. Because a lot of times organizations are, I guess, have blinders depending on what they measure. And a lot of times the growth opportunities are outside of the areas that they measure. 
So this brought in that perspective of going ahead and looking much broader and basically pointing to about three different huge opportunities that we were not tapping into, both in terms of segments, in terms of you know marketplace, and even within that certain geographies as an example. So that led to a significant change in terms of pushing us to go ahead and focus on those growth areas, which was not in our radar. Simple stuff, not rocket science. And that build credibility. The second one is to go for short-term wins, which is like one of the things that we did was to go ahead and look at our spend, if you will, across the globe on a global basis. And by simple math, we kind of said, what's the best way to go ahead and reallocate that based not just on the math of the ROIs and what we get over there, but also a strategic filter on where we want to grow and how we want to win. A combination of bringing both of that together, again, brought the level of maturity of the conversation that we brought to the table at much more strategic and high level rather than just the numbers. Numbers are important, but you have to go beyond the numbers. So I think those are two examples, and there are several others. You, you, know, you almost need to win every three months because organizational memory is super short-term. Yeah, that's a great one. I think three months is a good target to, to get that value. So Ravi, there's some quick wins. Uh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, <laughs> trying to squeeze the information out of here, but in terms of the big headline statistics that you've achieved over your career in data, is there any figures that you could tell us, look, this increased our return on investment, this saved so much in costs, and that can give people an idea of what is the end potential for this? Absolutely, absolutely. So the numbers are, are huge depending on the categories you're in. One thing I cannot do you know, right now for obvious reasons is to go ahead and talk anything specific about a company or, for that matter, Johnson & Johnson. It just you know, wouldn't be the right thing to go ahead and do. So I'm going to go ahead and speak in terms of orders of magnitude to go ahead and give a sense for the kind of impact that one could have. In consumer product goods company, whether you go ahead and look at my experience in Campbell Soup or a Coca-Cola or a J&J, the, uh, the, consistently what we have done is to go ahead and improve the spend on marketing by a CAGR of at least 20 to 30% over three years. And just to give you, an, you know, just to kind of quantify that in terms of dollars, Typically, companies spend somewhere in the billions of dollars in terms of marketing spend. And so you can do the math to go ahead and figure out what the impact might be when you're talking about a consistent, over three years, 20-plus CAGR improvement on the ROI. So the, it could be huge. The second big one, which I think we sometimes lose track of, is innovation. And one of the companies that I work for, after a long series of not-so-good launches, if you will, one of the major you know, launches that we had, even today for that company, is growing. This is about 14, 15 years now, right? 15 years ago. After 15 years, even today, is driving double-digit growth. And it's multiple billion-dollar business for that company. So again, just to kind of give you a sense of the magnitude. So never underestimate the impact that you can have even in the small space that you may be operating in. <laughs> Amazing. That's very exciting. Ravi, you, as, as I said at the start, you have this background in engineering. You have a chemical engineering degree. But now when you speak about data, it's often from this customer standpoint, this marketing and sales and branding standpoint. And what I always find very interesting when I speak to engineering companies now, the product development 
life cycle is completely transformed. We don't just speak about engineering and manufacturing now. We speak about this digital thread from day one to day, you know, 365 when it's out there in the market and we're taking all this information from customers. Have you thought about how this data has transformed business models? Oh, absolutely. And all you have to do, frankly, is to go ahead and look at annual reports or the quarterly earnings report. Number one focus that every single company, independent of the vertical they're in, talks about digitization, how digitization is changing everything that they do. You know, that change is here to stay. There is even a more important change that is coming along that you see right now. I don't think we're going to go ahead. Companies that are going to be successful in the future are the companies that do not focus on products. Frankly, do not even focus on products and their brands. Companies that focus on providing more holistic life solutions are the ones that are going to go ahead and win because we will own a loyalty to brands and companies that provide us with information that allows me to, empowers me to go ahead and change the choices I make and the products I buy. But the more you empower me to go ahead and make that decision by giving me the right kind of information, by understanding me as a person and the unique needs I have, that's the way you're going to earn my loyalty. So that's number one. Number two is the ability to go ahead and react fast in the marketplace. And I keep telling my people, the ability to go ahead and react to launch something with 70% of the information and the organizational flexibility and competency to sense what is happening in real time in the marketplace and make changes. So that agility that we keep talking about, that is super important. So it's, it's a combination of those two that essentially would differentiate you know, winning companies versus average companies in the future. And there are examples of companies that do that. And, and I don't want to mention names, but you know, there are examples of companies that sell a product but what they offer in terms of they spend a significant amount of more money providing holistic solution to their customer base. A John Deere comes to mind. A lot has been written there that they sell tractors. But they go ahead and provide holistic solutions to the farmer in order to go ahead and make their farming business better, whether it is looking at option prices or whether it is looking at pesticides or whether it is using GPS to go and help them go ahead and manage they're planting better, whatever it is, they're providing solutions that are much more holistic. And the loyalty the farmers will have to John Deere is because of that, not because they sell a better tractor. And they, all, they need to sell a better, better tractor too, by the way, right? So <laughs> It's incredible. They're, they're completely changing how we think about product development entirely. Amazing. Ravi, I, I also wanted to pick up on that. I mean, you mentioned people just now. You mentioned people earlier as, as one of the three most important things. We see a lot of statistics in the world that data science is the future. We have so many data scientists coming through university, but we also see this big shortage. And we also see the shortage of domain expertise in data science. So for people out there that are interested in data science, but don't have that coding background, how do you upskill these people? How do you enable these people to succeed with data? Got it. Okay. So, you know, what has changed, and I'll go ahead and give you a brief example. When I was, you know, this is a long time ago. You know, when I was going to college, nerds were seen as the loser group, right? And, but you, the world has changed now. Go ahead and look at the top CEOs and the world's richest people. They are essentially nerds. So the point I'm trying to go ahead and get to is what has changed is that the need for specialization is going to be rewarded. There is going to be more and more a need for experts in this world. Having said that, though, just experts on its own, because what, you know, the 
with, with visualization and the expertise that we needed, each of these verticals that we go ahead and create, that creates a significant amount of complexity because you can't have somebody in a marketing or the sales force really understand how you go ahead and do AI and how machine learning works and what algorithm is, works better in this instance versus another. That complexity, the more complex you go ahead and make it, the less propensity an organization has to go ahead and take action and less successful it's going to be. So the enemy of good execution is complexity. The friend of good execution is simplicity. So we always need a group of people, a team of people that we have experts, but we also have what we call end-to-end business partners. The people essentially translate the complexity into something simple that aligns with how we go to market. So there's a need more and more for also people who go ahead and understand data science at a high level. They do not have to be programmers. And people who are passionate about programming, we need them equally as much as we need you know, anybody else in the company. But we need that diverse team to go ahead and come together to go ahead and drive action. So think of the, the saying, that's why I think you've got to kind of look and say, what makes me tick? What energizes me? What are my core strengths? And focus on your core strengths. If it is coding, if it is focusing in on working with algorithms, you know, more power to you. And there's significant growth in that area. But if it is going ahead and kind of connecting the dots and bringing it all together, and translating something to make it simple and drive action in the organization, we need you too. So it's, but to your point, there is a certain level of fundamental foundational data knowledge that everyone needs to have. And that's the change that we essentially are driving to. Everyone you see the data quotient or the analytics quotient of the organization is what we need to kind of bump up a little more. Sure, okay. So two questions off the back of that. And I think, People are gradually understanding now that this unicorn data scientist that has it all and we're going to have 10 or 15 of them and they'll solve all of our data challenges. That's unrealistic. It's not going to happen. And people want this diverse teams. But how have you built them, Ravi? How have you actually gone and got these people with slightly different ideas and brains and thoughts to collaborate together? So, you know, frankly, that is a tough, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy task to go ahead and bring people together, somebody who thinks left brain and right brain, and have them co-create. But having said that, you know, even if I go back to my Coke days, you know, we have had several examples of very successfully having done that. One example is when we brought a team together where I had, you know, a data scientist. We had somebody with an advertising background. We had somebody with a research background. We had somebody with trends background all of them come together as a team to go ahead and launch a new marketing model. And it is the strength of that diversity that made it happen because in every organization, you have both kinds of people, both in management too, a left brain and right brain. So you need to be able to go ahead and evoke action or kind of, you know, you want to be able to go ahead and excite an organization with a vision for people who are driven by that vision. And it's important to go ahead and paint a picture of what the success might look like. While there's the rest of the organization would look and say, hey, show me the numbers. Make sure that it adds up. So you need to do both in order to go ahead and push in a change in the organization. So it's super critical to go ahead and have both. While it is not easy, I think that is the success, secret ingredient for success going forward. How we do that is what we need to get better at. 
And it's not easy by any chance. But I think it can be done because it has to be done. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of it is also about setting common goals. You know, you're all working against a common goal, a common vision. And there are other things you can do to go ahead and make sure that you understand each other's style. It, it certainly can be done, but it does take some hard work. Yeah. That's why I love, you know, I often speak to people in racing and Formula One teams, Ravi, and they'll yeah. have two drivers and they'll have hundreds of engineers, but everybody has a common goal. They want to win the race. And if you have that yeah. common goal, you get that collaboration. So I, I really agree with what you've said there. The other thing you mentioned is you want to improve the maturity of the general population in terms of their data science understanding at J&J and in general. Where do you want them to get to? What's an adequate knowledge of data science for people around the world nowadays that aren't in industry, let's say? What should they know? Got it. So, you know, frankly, that threshold will keep evolving as it should, right? As of today, I would go ahead and say they need to go ahead and understand the fundamentals of simple things like, you know, when we talk about a regression, what is a regression versus what is an autocorrelation or what is, when we talk about machine learning, they don't necessarily have to know the algorithms involved in the machine learning, but they need to know, understand, you know, what are the, you know, key ingredients for success in any kind of um, algorithm and model? How much of it is, is based on what the training set is? What is the data bias that is involved? What is the algorithm bias that is involved? Therefore, what is the blind side on the recommendation that's coming in? So those are the critical questions that we need to continuously train people to ask because people who are super close to what they're doing sometimes are so in the, so much into the weeds that they can't step back and look at the forest. And frankly, that IQ that you know will keep evolving. I think as we get more and more sophisticated, as things get more and more automated, the level of training we need to go ahead and make sure that people understand what are the blind spots in those automations. You know, super critical. Yeah, and and that blind spot is, is something I'd like to to expand a little bit uh, just just for a minute. You know, you've seen AI evolve, you've seen data science evolve, Ravi, over recent years in different companies. And clearly the opportunities outweigh the risks and the challenges. Is there anything that does keep you up at night? Is there anything that you say, oof, this is a little bit frightening or we should really take care of this particular risk of AI? Uh, there are a lot of them. I mean, you know, like every good, every technology, right, you could put it to good use, you could put it to bad use, right? And I think that everything that we have is potentially a double-edged sword. So we're getting it more into the ethics of it, which I'll stay away from because that's a whole separate topic. But I think there's one thing that if there's one thing that kind of keeps me awake at night, it is uh, us able to understand the bias that we have in our data, in our algorithms, and making sure that we are paying special attention to that. We see the impact of that everywhere, whether vaccines and how they are tested and what samples we use for that, or whether it is much published stuff around how a lot of the machine learning, what are the automated, uh, automated algorithms for employee screening or for hiring. You know, all of those things, I think as human beings, we need to be a little more conscious of the human aspect of all of those and try to bring a little more of empathy in all of these processes. And I think that's our job. And as much as we could continue talking for hours, Ravi, uh, we've got to start to wrap up, but I've sort of got two questions left. One is, we can only learn so much in, in the space of half an hour. Is there any resources that you'd recommend for people to learn in their own time? Is it books, movies, white papers, blogs, anything like that? 
to help them upscale a bit more in data science? Oh, gosh. Um, I think where, you know, different people are in different places on the maturity curve. I personally uh, have a lot of passion for for physics and a few other things like that. So my bias is much more towards understanding, you know, the physics of matter, whether it is, you know, Einstein's theory versus the quantum theory or, you know, all the stuff that you kind of read out. Those things are the super things that excite me. Brilliant. And Ravi, you know, as a final question, what makes you most excited for the future? You know, the thing that excites me absolutely the most is the future generation. And by that, what I mean is I'm just so thrilled when I go ahead and look at the value systems that the future generation has and the focus on values first, rather than, frankly, my generation, where the focus might have been more on the material stuff and going up the corporate ladder and earning money and driving, you know, things. I love that fact that there is a good mix of both, that they're focused more on caring for the environment, caring for the future of Man, and believing in some core fairness ethics. And that, I think, is, is what is going to go ahead and change the world. It is, I'm super thrilled about that balance and the super thrilled about the change in perspective that it brings in because they're the ones who are going to drive the application changes. AI is going to be AI and ML is going to be ML. How we use it is what differentiates the impact on the, on the world. And I'm super excited that just generation frankly, is going to do a heck of a lot better job than my generation did in making sure that we use it for the good of mankind, for the good of the future generation, for the good of all of us in society. You see me smiling and grinning here, Ravi. I couldn't agree more. It's so exciting. And we're really appreciative for you joining the show. And uh, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Thanks again. Thank you again for the opportunity. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for watching. Now, next up on alter.com forward slash future says will be Jada Smith, Senior Program Director at Aptiv. Hope to see you there.